I know sometimes, you know, that, that, that kid acts out, you know, glory to God. Sometimes that kid wants to sleep in, but I'm glad you didn't sleep in today, amen. Praise the name of the Lord, hallelujah. Brother Stephen, God bless you, man. Praise the name of the Lord, hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, chapter 11. We're going to begin reading in verse 2. When you got it, say so. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of woman is man and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that, is, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is, but if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered." For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For man is not from the woman, but woman from a man, nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is a man independent of a woman, of, wom of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord, for as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman, but all things are from God. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a woman has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? Or if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him. But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. You ready to be encouraged? Amen. Amen. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your word that is true, that is relevant, that is applicable in every generation until you wipe our tears away. At that time, Lord God, will be with you and we won't need the mandates or the directives that are in your word. But now, Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church, to your people. God, may we be attentive to you. I pray for myself, Lord God, as I convey your word this morning. May it not be me that speak, but may it be you. May you speak to the hearts of everyone in this room, all of those who are joining us online. May our worship not cease. May our all of you not cease. But may we be attentive to your voice, not to only hear, but Lord, to do, to live for your glory and for your honor. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So we don't have any more outlines, so that means that you have them. Praise God for that. I'm glad that you have the outlines and that you are able to take some notes. Uh, every week, 
uh, Pastor Aldo or whoever is up here gets up here and says to you that we engage people where they are, building faith in Christ. And this, again, I remind you, this is a tool that you can utilize in order to engage someone and have a conversation with them, right? You know, typically the, you know, when you go to work, you go to school or you get in, you know, you get around folks and, you know, the question comes up, hey, what'd you do this weekend, right? And you can say, I went to church and I learned about head coverings. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And it's funny, as we're in worship and we're in this beautiful moment, and then I'm thinking about the passage that we're about to jump into, I'm like, oh, man, they're going to love this one today. Yeah. I've been thinking about that all week long, right? But God's word is God's word, amen? And, 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 and it's, it's, it's good for our instruction and for our direction and to help us to grow in godliness. That's what God's word is supposed to do for us. And so, again, with your outlines, I encourage you, take some notes, write some stuff down. One of the things that, that I encourage you to do, and this is a challenge that I'll put out to you, uh, you know, take that outline and make sure that under every point, right, right that you at least write one sentence, right? So, so I'm just trying to help you to be a, a good student. You may be a person like me, like I'm not a note taker, right? Like I have a pretty good memory, and, and so I I sit down and I hear stuff, but I can tell you what, as good as my memory is, is nowhere near as good as a pen. Hello. <laughs> You're always better. So I encourage you, write something down. Put something down there, a question that may come up, right? Something that encourages you, something that made you think, right? You want to be a student of God's word. You want to grow in God's word, and that will also help you whenever you're sharing with someone else the things that you learn. And so this morning, if you look at your outline, if you have an outline, if you don't, I'm sorry, but if you're sitting next to someone who may not have an outline, you can share with them in the introduction. And so last week, we really dug, dug into this thing about family. We talked about us being the family of God and how important that is for us to have that family mentality when we gather together. And so I want to continue to use that terminology because when the Apostle Paul writes to the church, we, we, we need to see that he is writing to the family of God. He is writing to the people of God. Again, the Apostle Paul has that heart of a father for those who he is preaching to and ministering to, and we should see ourselves as the family of God. And so in your outline, when the family of God gathers to worship, which is what we are doing right now, there should be a primary focus upon the Lord and esteem for the family members who are present. Are you here? When we gather, we should, we should be focused in on the Lord. We should come together, and our primary desire should be to worship and praise the king who died and rose for us. Our, our primary desire should be to give him the glory that he is due, right? That, that should be what we are wanting to do. But we also have to remember that we have brothers and sisters that are around us, that are beside us, that are in front of us and behind us, and we should be cognizant of them as well, but not just cognizant cognizant of them, not just knowing that they're there, but we should esteem them. We should see them in a certain way. We should have a particular honor for them in our minds and in our hearts. Our gatherings should be an atmosphere of order and honor. That's what should happen when we gather together. We'll get a little bit more into the order when we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Nonetheless, in that order, in that honor, we should house the presence of God. That's what order does, right? If you go to the Old Testament, at any time that you see that God gives a directive regarding the building of the tabernacle or a temple was built. Once things were done according to the pattern of God, then God did what? His presence came. 
When order happened, when we align ourselves with God in order, his presence comes as an affirmation. When we are out of order, then we're going to be lacking the presence of God. Are you here? It's important for us to consider, not just in our gatherings here on Sunday mornings, but in our lives, right? We want to be in order, which is what Paul, the apostle, is talking about in the text that we're looking at today. There should be the presence of God should be there, but then there should also be ministering one to another. That's how we honor one another, and we do all of this in love. All of it's in love. It's not because we have to, right? We do this in love. We do this because we love God and we love each other. And so the one thing I want you to think about this morning, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. But loving God and loving each other is the foundation of a culture of honor. Are you here? Loving God and loving each other is the foundation of a culture of honor. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, an honor culture, a culture where there is honor for God, where there is honor for one another, and where we respect one another. And we look at how do we show respect? How do we show honor one to the other? And so the first thing I would ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, honor Honor. must always always. be reciprocated. Honor must always be reciprocated. It's not, it's not just, you know, me, I just honor you, or you just honor me, but there should be a reciprocal honor that takes place. If we are going to have a, have a culture of honor within our church, if we're going to have a culture of honor within our, within our families, if we're going to have a culture of honor, then we're going to have to reciprocate honor one to the other. And here's what I would say, don't wait for honor, just offer honor. Hello. Don't don't wait to be honored. Just give honor. Esteem others. Consider others. Think about others the way that we should think about them. Now, now I want us to think about the text. I know that when we read these words, these words are kind of, you know, they're they're foreign to us, right? Like we're we're looking at these words, and and as I'm looking around this room, I don't see any, you know, other than John, you know, he's got a head covering. You know, I guess he felt he needed to have a head covering today. But I I don't I don't see any ladies in here, right, that that have a head covering, right? Like that's not something that's normal in our culture. So we hear these words and it's like, okay, so how do these apply? Like, Bishop, couldn't you have just skipped past that? I could have. <laughs> I, I, I could have easily just skipped past it and, and we could have ignored it like it's not in the Bible, right? That, that'd be great, right? Your, your pastor just skips past text that he doesn't like, right? The devil is a liar. It's not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not God. God is God. He's the one that authored this. He called me to preach this, not to pick and choose, right? So we walk through the text. But we have to understand the text in its context, right? We have to, we have to understand that, again, as Paul was communicating, as the apostle was communicating to the church at Corinth, he's speaking to them in their culture, right? And, and let, let, me, let, me, let me give you a, a tool. Hopefully this is a tool. Hopefully this will help you. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down under that particular first point, right? But when you study the Bible, the the first question in your mind should not be, what is God saying to me? The first question should be, what is God saying? And the way you answer what is God saying is by asking, what did God say when he said it? Are you here? I hope you you wrote that down, right? You got got that? You're going to tweet that later? No, listen. 
the, the wrong question and what we often do, right, because we've all sat in Bible studies and we've been conditioned, right? I mean, in your outline, there's a question. What do you believe the Lord spoke to you, right? Like, that's a question that's there. And, and, and when we go to our Bibles, we have a, 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 a mindset sometimes where we want to think about, okay, what is God speaking to me? Why? Because we know that we have a relationship with a living God, right, who is speaking to us and he is communicating with us. And so when we go to our Bibles, we want to say, okay, what is God speaking to me? And here's how I want to help you because you're talking about application. But before you can correctly apply the scriptures, you have to correct interpret the Bible. Come on now. Wait, I thought interpretation was just for pastors. No, no, no. You are, you are a child of God. You have a relationship with God, and you need to be interpreting the text correctly before you try to apply the text. And so the only way you're going to be able to interpret the text correctly is not by figuring out what God was trying to say to you personally, but think about what God was saying around 2,000 years ago when he first spoke these words through the Apostle Paul who was writing to a specific people in a specific time, in a specific context, who were dealing with specific issues. Today, we don't think about what we dealt with for three weeks as Paul walked through three chapters and he he talked about eating food sacrificed to idols. How many of you, before I preached it or after I preached it, have given thought at all about the food you're eating if it has been sacrificed to idols? I assure you no one. No one. You're not, you're not going to Publix or if you use Kroger or, you know, or Winn-Dixie or Walmart, wherever you go. You're not there like, okay, was this sacrificed to idols? Can I eat this? You're not thinking about that. That's just not our culture, right? However... However, it is instructive for us to understand the text so that way we think about the concept of idolatry. And not just idolatry, but that we think about honoring one another and thinking about the brother or sister with a weaker conscience because that is the heart of what the Apostle Paul is saying. However, we're not going to understand that if we just jump to the fact, well, we don't need food sacrificed to idols, so we don't need to worry about that. No, no, you need to worry about that. Because there, there, there's, there's something that is there that is ac- applicable to our lives. But in order to apply it correctly, we have to understand the text. So again, the Apostle Paul goes from dealing with the, the, the foods sacrificed to idols, and now he transitions into a few other things. He's going to talk about the way that we worship together. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about the way that the church of Corinth would gather together. And the first thing that he addresses is this issue of head coverings. He talks about head coverings, and he is speaking to them specifically in their context. There are some things that we'll, we'll start to see, but there, there, was, there, there are certain things that we have to understand, right, about this context. And in and, and those days, it was normative. It was an honorable thing for the women to have a covering over their head. It was honorable. Eastern, you know, uh, uh, a mentality, not a Western mentality. Different, right? They thought differently. I, I was, as I was studying this, a pastor was talking about he and his wife. They were in Istanbul, Turkey, and they went to a uh, they, they went to a marketplace, and the marketplace was packed with people. And as they were walking through the marketplace, they ended up trying to get out of the place, and they went out and exit into like a back alley area. And as he and his wife were walking in the back alley area, there were men that were outside, and they were looking at the at his wife, and they were speaking vulgarities to her. And they were offering her sexual propositions. And, and, and as they're walking, he's thinking to himself, like, don't they understand she's with me? Don't, don't, don't they realize that I'm going to defend her and protect her? And so, you know, they got, they got away from that area. They, they go back to the marketplace. Immediately, she went and got a shawl, put it on her head. 
Guess what happened? The insults stopped. The disrespect stopped. Why? Because those people in that particular, and this is not way back in the day. This is like, you know, probably 20 years ago. Hello. But the, the mentality was you were saying something by the way you were dressing. And the fact that you had your head uncovered, you were saying, hey, I'm a floozy. Come on now. That, 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 that's what she was saying. She was saying, you know, it's like in, in Puerto Rico, I learned something, right? I go with my wife to Puerto Rico. It's a little bit different here. But in Puerto Rico, I'm, I'm real conscious of this in Puerto Rico, right? And so when you it used to be, I don't, know, I don't know if it's still like this now, but my wife said, yeah, when you walk with a woman down the road in Puerto Rico, you better be on the, on the side of the edge or you're saying she's available. So you know what I do? Girl, you're standing right here. Come on now. We switch, we switch corners. You're standing right over here. I don't want nobody to think that you're, you are not available, glory to God. There's another reason why I think the guy should walk on the outside because you're closer to the cars that could potentially hit somebody. I'm just saying that's another thing. That's just common courtesy as a gentleman. But nonetheless, there's certain, there, there's certain cultural things that, that we have to understand, right? And so this Eastern mentality, there was a communication that, that, that is being made when, when the woman is not, this, this is about modesty here. Hello. You encouraged yet? Amen, amen. So the Apostle Paul, verse 2, I want you to notice something. Honor must always be reciprocated. I wanted to give you a little bit of context, and, and we'll, get a, we'll, we'll get into a couple of nuances as we continue through. But I wanted to give you some context to understand why Paul is speaking this way and why he's even addressing this issue. But I want you to look at verse 2. He says, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. The Apostle Paul transitions his topic from eating food sacrificed to idols He's dealing, he's going to deal with relational honor and corporate worship. He's going to deal with relational honor and communion. He's going to deal with relational honor in regards to the gifts of the spirit. But I want you to notice how he begins. I praise you, brethren, in this. He, do, he, he doesn't give them some, some fake platitude like, hey, I want to butter you up before I slam you. That isn't what he does, right? He, 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 he honors those who are honoring him. He's saying, hey, I recognize that you are continuing on in the traditions. And I want you to understand tradition is not man-made tradition because we have to differentiate between the two. Because when you go to the readings of Jesus and you go to the, the time that he was walking on this earth, the traditions of men were nullifying the word of God. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about tradition, biblical tradition, church tradition that is handed out from, that is handed down from the apostles to the church, instructing them, this is how you are supposed to navigate. This is how you are supposed to engage with each other. This is how you are supposed to live. And so when the apostle Paul was there preaching in Corinth, as we see in the book of Acts, as he was instructing them, he gave them certain instructions and he's praising them saying, Hey, I recognize you. I see you. I see you. You're, 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 you're honoring me by obeying God's word. As Minister Jonathan was sharing last week as we had our pastor appreciation, he said, man, you want to honor Bishop? You want to honor the leadership? Man, disciple somebody. You know what I was praying for y'all last night? Last night as I was praying in here for you guys, I was praying. And listen, I want to let you know this because I've never said this before. But every Saturday night, I come in here to pray and get ready for this Sunday service. And I want to, I want to encourage you, if you ever have a petition that you need prayed for, please text me on Saturday so I can know that and I can pray for you and pray for that situation. But here's what I want you to know. As I was in here praying, all I was praying for, I was praying for your one. 
What you mean, Bishop? I was praying for you. You see, because each of us is responsible to minister to at least one other person. Come on now. Each of us is called to, to, to minister God's word, to, to speak God's word, to disciple somebody else. If you are a disciple of Jesus, here's the question, who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? Who is it that you are helping grow in their Who is it that you are praying with? Who is it that you are in God's word with? Who is it that you are helping move to the next level in their Christianity? If you're not helping someone, I'm calling you to repentance in this moment. Repent before the Lord because you are not obeying the mandate of God for those who are followers of Jesus. And if you're in here and you're like, well, I don't know how to do that. You feel ill-equipped. Ill well, let me ask you a question. Why are you not engaging in a relationship with someone who can pray with you, who can be in God's word with you? Why are you not positioning yourself for that? Come on now. You encouraged? Yeah. So, so I'm praying for you. I'm praying, Lord, 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 bring, 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 you know, Lord, I pray for their one. I pray for that family member that is not walking with you, Lord, that, that they've been praying for. I'm standing with them. Lord, I pray for that neighbor. I pray for that coworker. I'm praying that God, you know what I'm praying? I'm praying that God would use you in a powerful way as he wants to. Because you know what? God wants to use all of us in order to impact other people with the power of the kingdom. Are you here? He doesn't just want to use the preachers. He doesn't want to just use the elders. He doesn't want to just use the pastors. He wants to use you, every single one of you. And so I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God would do that. So, again, he is recognizing them and saying, hey, you guys honor me because you're obeying God's word. The same way here. You know how you honor me? You know how you honor the leadership? It's by obeying God's word, doing what God's word says. And so he starts off with this particular thing. He, he is honoring them because, again, honor always, it must always be reciprocated. Go, to, go with me to verse 3. Verse 3, he says, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So what's the focus here? The focus is headship. Say headship. The focus here is headship. He, he transitions, and he's not slamming them. He's praising them. He's encouraging them in, in their obedience, and he's reminding them that the head of every man is Christ. So what does that mean? That means that the man is supposed to every man, right? Biological males to be sure. But every man has a head and it is Christ. Men, my brothers in the room, we need to understand you are not God in your home. <laughs> your, your decisions are not the only decisions. Are you here? You are, not the, you, you are not the ultimate authority in your home. There is an authority that is over you, and that is Christ. And that should change the way you lead. See, when Christ is my head, I'm not accountable to just me. I am accountable to him, and the way that I lead should, should, should demonstrate that I am submitted to his headship. Oh, come on now. Oh, man, we got some serious responsibility as guys. We don't, we, don't just have, we don't just have these rights like I'm the king of the castle. Yes, amen, you are the king of the castle. Make sure you're bound to the real king of the castle. Make sure you're making room for that king and making much room for him and making sure that he's the one that reigns and rules and leads your household because if not, there's going to be problems. 
He goes on, he says, in the head of every woman is man. Now, I want, I want, to, I want to emphasize this because he's, he's not just talking about men and women in general. He's talking specifically here about at the head of every wife is the husband. That's what he's talking about. The head of every wife is the husband. Now, now, now I, know, I know that that's a dirty word in our days, right? Like, wives, you got to submit to your husbands, praise the Lord. Amen. Every woman said amen. Amen, Bishop. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm here to encourage your faith this morning, okay? But he, 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 points out, he points out the head of every man is Christ. The head of every wife is her husband. Now, this is a different relationship. There, there, there is Christ and man are not on equal planes. Understand this with me. We, we are not, me and Jesus, oh, he, he is much higher, much holier, much more righteous. He is always right. I, I, are you here? I'm right some of the time, and that's only when I'm in agreement with him. Are you here? But he is creator. I am creation. I am not the creator of Elaine Quinones. Are you here? I'm not her source. God is her source. Her and I, we're right here. The only thing is, I'm called to lead her. Are, 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 you, are you with me? Jesus makes this statement in the Gospels. He says, if anyone is heavy laden, come unto me and find rest, right? He used this other term there. He says, take up my yoke because it is light. What is the picture of this yoke? The picture of this yoke is two oxen who are put under a yoke, two, two heads. Now, if one of those oxen does not lead just a little bit, guess what happens? You don't move anywhere. The plow stays stuck in the dirt because it's a tug of war instead of us moving in the same direction. So what the picture, ladies, I'm here to help, hello. It doesn't change the words. I just hope you see the picture. Are you here? Right? The picture is your husband. And listen, ladies, if you're not married, you can breathe and be like, hallelujah. <laughs> right? You still got to submit to your, your pastors and your leaders, right? But, but you know, you, you don't have the same responsibility here. The point is that the man is supposed to be the leader. He's not supposed to be yanking you. He's not supposed to be whipping you. He's not supposed to be shoving. And you're not supposed to be pulling the way either. You're supposed to be walking in lockstep because he, you're submitted to Jesus. You're both submitted to Christ. And now we're walking together. And so, okay, so the relationship's different, right? It's still the husband is the head. We don't want to get away from that. We don't want to change the terminology of Scripture. And then he says, and the head of Christ is God. And, and, and it's funny because when you read this, the, the writers are saying things, or, or Paul is saying, and as he's, as he's saying that, he doesn't really break this down. He doesn't really differentiate these three different relationships that are explained here. It's like he packs them all in, and he wants you to think and say, what, 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 what is he trying to say? Because obviously he's not saying that man is the source of the woman. That's not what he's saying, right? He's, he's, not, he's not saying that we are the ultimate. We're, he's not saying that we're God. And, but then he throws in this other one that the head of Christ is God. How is that possible? Well, when Christ submitted himself to flesh and blood on this earth, who was he submitted to? God the Father. 
He was submitted to the will of the Father. They were still equals, right, because he doesn't cease to be God, but yet there is what? There, 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 is, this, there, there is this submission that takes place in the Godhead. You know, what, you know what, he's, what he's doing is he's making us know that while our culture today, 2,000 years fast forward, makes submission the new S word, it's not. It's not a bad word. There's nothing wrong with this mentality. This is biblical. This is a biblical mentality that we need to have. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. It, as he's focusing on this relational submission, this is the foundation of how we honor one another. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to verse 21, the apostle Paul is instructing the church there in Ephesus about, about honoring one another. He's talking to them about being wise in the days in which they live. He's telling them to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And then when he comes to the end, right before he gets in the husband and wife relationship, you know what he says? He says, submit one to another out of the fear of Christ. So before he jumps into the topic of marriage, he says there should be mutual submission one to another. There should be out of the fear of Christ. And so again, our present culture has made this word submission and, and made, you know, made us feel some kind of way. Yet here's the thing. I need you to understand why this is so important. If we are not willing to accept our roles as biblically prescribed. We risk diminishing the glory God has given each of us in our distinctions that are meant to complement each other. Let me say it again. If we are not willing to accept our roles as biblically prescribed. We risk diminishing the glory God has given each of us in our distinctions that are meant to complement each other. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no other. It's ladies and gentlemen. See, our culture is right now being inundated with lies from the pit of hell. And ladies, I need you to understand something. I am your, not the biggest, but I am on your side 100% in this fight. Because you are the ones who are being diminished most in this culture. And, and don't, don't let, don't let any, anybody lie to you because the fact is this, is that you are not birthing people, you are mothers. Hello. The, the, the question is an easy one. Can a man give birth? No. Praise the Lord. Let them ask me that question. I will be like, hallelujah, no, 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 glory to God. I was in the room when that happened. I don't want none of that glory to his name. Can a man give birth? I wasn't built to give birth. I was barely built to be in the room, praise the Lord. <laughs> but we're diminishing this with this whole transgender ideology that is being shoved down the throats of our kids. There was a video the other day of a, of, a, of a young man who decided to identify as a young woman who joined a high school volleyball team and almost and, and concussed this girl. Now listen, I'm not saying women aren't strong. I did CrossFit. I know women are strong. Come on now. 
I, there, there, there's, there, there's a woman, her name is Stephanie Cohn. She squats more than me. She lifts more than me. I'll never lift next to her. Come on now. I'll be sick that day, glory to God. <laughs> She's coming to the gym. I'm not coming. I'm not, I don't even care. I, I'll watch it on Instagram. I'm just saying. I got a pride issue, right? When I did CrossFit, I was like, she's lifting what? Oh, ain't no way. Ain't no way. But I know. I, I, listen, I, I get it. But I want you to understand something. Men and women are built differently. For the glory of God. My wife, you know, she'll reach over every once in a while and she'll grab my arm and, you know, and I flex for her. Let her know I'm still the man, hallelujah. <laughs> and she'll often say something to build my ego up a little bit. She'll be like, why are you so hard? And I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know. I just... <laughs> and then she's like, I wish my arms were like that or my legs. Like... I'm like, I don't. I'm not, I don't know. I, I'm good. Glory to God. But we're built different. We're built. And, and so could, could another girl concuss another girl in volleyball? I'm sure that could happen. I'm, I'm not, but what I'm saying is, you know, you got, you, you got men breaking women's records and getting accolades for it. This, this is probably the worst one. This, this one is like mind-blowing. Just the other day, a young man by the name of Brian, he won the teen Miss America. Now, I want you to go home and research this on your own. When you see Brian, you're going to be like, how on God's green earth did he win? Now, listen, I'm going to say this. This is going to sound really messed up. If, 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 he had, if he looked like a Miss America, I could have understood the confusion on some level. But he didn't have to even follow the rules the women do. God has created our roles to bring glory to his name. When I am a man and my wife is a woman, when I am doing the things that God has created me and designed me to do, there's glory in that. But when I decide, no, you know, I, it, it, that doesn't really, oh, it does matter. It does matter. And listen, I want to say something because I know that someone in here or maybe someone online is feeling, Bishop, you're being a little bit harsh. Listen, I, I, want you, I want you to know something. The people who are struggling with this whole transgender situation in their lives, Jesus died for you. The problem is our culture has said this is normal. No, it's not. It's not scientific. It's not biology. It's not anything that we have ever known. We have just decided that because, you know why? We don't have the answer. The world doesn't. The church does. See, I don't know about you, but I believe in a God who created all things from nothing. I believe in a God that speaks things into existence. I believe in a God who didn't just die on a cross and is still hanging there or is dead who is buried in a tomb. I believe in a God who rose from death, which shows me that he is all-powerful. And so the confusion that may be going on in your heart, first and foremost, you need to know the God who created you did not make a mistake. He knew what he was doing. And listen, my, my sister... 
You may not be all, you know, prissy and all that kind of stuff, and you may like to get in the dirt, and you may like to play with cars. That doesn't make you a man. Are you here? And my, and my brother, you may not like to go out there and shoot guns, and you may not be like, ah, rah, rah. That doesn't make you a woman. Hello. That makes you different. It doesn't make you a mistake. And the problem is our culture has said, oh, no, you're just confused. God don't make mistakes. God created you with purpose. God created you to bring him glory in and through the gender you are. Here's the thing I want to say of the utmost importance. When we're talking about headship, headship means leadership. We're called to lead. And here's the thing we have to understand about biblical leadership. Biblical leadership always stirs the affection of those submitting through deference and use of one's role to elevate those who are being led. Hear hear me when I say this. Biblical leadership always stirs the affection of those who are submitting. Guys, ladies, because you're in leadership, when you are a biblical leader, you know what you do? You use your role, you use your leadership to lift people up, not push them down. You use your leadership to encourage. You use your leadership to help people become who God created them to be. And you know what you do? You stir. You you, you don't stir rebellion. Come on now. You stir the affection. But here's the thing we have to grasp. The truth is this. The truth is um, Genesis, and I forget who was talking about Genesis, but today, some, sometime during worship, was it Hector talking about Genesis? But, but, but Genesis shows us some stuff, shows us how God created everything good, and then Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree, and when they ate of the fruit of the tree, all of a sudden relationships that were normal and everything was good became strained. And so it doesn't mean being a leader is easy. Hello. It doesn't mean submitting is easy. What I'm saying is when I am a biblical leader, I stir the affections of my spouse. I stir the affections of my children. I stir the affections of the people in the church who I'm leading closely. Because what? I'm not using my leadership to just make you get in line. You need to do what I say. No, I want you to become who God created you to be. I want you to be the best that God wants for you. I want you to be all that God wants you to be. And hey, and sometimes that means, come on, man, get in line. Hello. Hmm. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Biblical, biblical leaders honor those who honor them. Are you here? Biblical leaders honor those who honor them. Again, I repeat, honor must always be reciprocated. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is say this, say honor, honor. should be viewed as a part of worship. Honor should be viewed as a part of worship. Look at verse 4. He says this. He says, Every man praying and prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. Now, let's just let's not get to the head covered part yet. I want you to see the beginning of verse 4 and the beginning of verse 5. Every man praying or prophesying, and then, but every woman who prays or prophesies. I just want to land there for a moment because I want you to realize that in the, the, the congregational context, in the familiar familial context, men and women should be praying and prophesying. Are you here? Amen. Amen. 
Men and women should be engaged in worship. It isn't like men should be the ones that are just up here and they're the only ones who communicate. They're the only ones who pray. No, no, no. It should be us together. There is a way for it to be done. That's what Paul is talking about. Right? So, so, so we, need to, we need to grasp that, that this is about how do we act in a congregational setting. And so he goes on, he says, but every man who uh, prays or prophesies with his, with, with, with his head uncovered uh, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved for if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, you love those words, don't you? Uh, especially shorn. Let her be covered. So understand something. Contextually, here's what would happen. The women in those days that were godly, respectable women, they had longer hair and they had a head covering that went along with it. That's what the, that, that was the norm in those moments. However, Prostitutes in those days, their, their, their hair was shorn. It was short. They didn't wear their hair with covering. Why? They were letting you know who they were. So it was a shame. It was a shameful thing because you knew what this woman was about. Then when you go to the book of, the book of Deuteronomy and you look at the law, here's what happens. If a woman was caught in adultery, you know what they did to her? They shaved her head. They, so if you shaved your head, you were either a prostitute or you were a woman who was caught in adultery. Are any of those things honorable things? No, they're not honorable. They, 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 they were issues. And so Paul is saying, listen, if a man is praying in a certain way, if he's praying with his head covered, he's not supposed to have his head covered. It's a dishonorable thing. If the woman prays or prophesies in the congregational setting, there's an issue with that. Here's the thing. We think somehow that the God of the New Testament doesn't really have standards for how we worship. This isn't true, especially in the context of relationship. Now, we're going to run real quick through some scriptures. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. I want you to see what the apostle Peter writes. So this is another apostle here, and he's writing something to the husbands in particular. And look at what he says to the, to the husbands here. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. You, you all ready? All right, here we go. It says, husbands. Likewise, now he just finished talking about wives submitting to their husbands, verse 1 through 6. Ladies, I encourage you to go back and read that. Commit that to memory. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You have more homework than us. We have one verse, you have six, but it's okay. It's okay. If you're a wife, again, if you're not a wife, you're like, shh, I ain't got to do that homework. But if you are a wife, I encourage you to read that, right? Not now, because we're going to read verse 7. Look at verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, meaning your wives, with understanding. Look at the word, giving honor to the wife. As to the weaker vessel, I think this is probably just talking about physical. Uh, that, that, that's my thought, right? There's some other things that could be, be applied there. But nonetheless, as being heirs together of the grace of life. Now look at this. That your prayers be not hindered. Do you think that God cares about honoring others? You think God has a standard for, for worship? He's saying to us men, again, men, we have a responsibility to lead. We're called to be leaders. If you are not dwelling with your wife in understanding, if you are not giving your spouse 
the honor that she deserves if you are not treating her as an heir, as an equal with you to the kingdom of God. If you are not doing that, you shouldn't think your prayers are going to be answered because they're going to be hindered. That's God's standard. This is New Testament. This is an Old Testament. This is New Testament. This isn't me reading from some book. This is me reading from the book. Hello. All right, turn over a little bit more. I want, to hear, I, want, I want you to hear from another apostle. you got three apostles here that are talking. First, first John, first John. You're going to turn to first John, chapter 4. First John, chapter 4. Again, my point is I want you to see that God has standards. First John, chapter 4. Right, we're, going to, we're, we're going to focus on verse 20, but I want to start reading in verse 17. I want you to see how the apostle John speaks now. He says, verse 17, he says, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect fear cast out, or perfect love cast out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. Verse 20, here's what I want you to look at. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. Do you think the God of the New Testament has standards for how we treat each other collectively? I took you from the home, husbands and wives, and now we looked at what the scriptures say regarding our love one for another. You're a liar if you say, oh, I love God, but I can't stand him or her. <laughs> Listen, if, 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 you, if, you walk into, if you walk into this room, right, and you see somebody and something jumps inside of you the wrong way, you better check yourself. And don't, and, and don't just try to get like that feeling to go away, like address the issue that is there in your heart. Right? You can't, you, you can't, you can't, you cannot love God and love each other. You can't do that. It, it's, it's the same thing with honor. You can't honor God and disregard your brother or your sister. Are you here? Now, verse 7 through 10, let's look at this, and then I want to read something to you because I think this is important. For you to grasp, I want you to see this. Verse 7, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but woman from man, nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. I want you to know that verse 10, there is so much argument and no agreement on what is meant here other than the fact that angels are present when we worship together. And the idea is having a submissive, honorable attitude towards others, right? And so when we don't walk in submission, and again, there was that outward appearance 
of submission that these women had that we don't particularly have in this day, but it was there for a purpose, right? So, but here's, here's the thing. As I just read verses seven through nine, every one of you probably thought, man, was the Apostle Paul a male chauvinist? When I read that, I'm like, my goodness. But it's only because I'm reading that through the filter of our present day. When I read that through the filter of the book of Genesis, it's a beautiful thing. Now, here's what I want to I want to I want to read to you what I believe is, is to be true. Is one of the commentators that I love to read. Paul did not mean that woman is not the glory of God, for all of creation is for the glory of God. You can see that in Romans 11, 30, 36. You can write that down. More likely, he meant that woman is the glory of both man and of God, not just of God. You see, you see, you see the, the beauty in that? That's different. He goes on. He says, Paul called the woman the glory of her husband because there is one of their, because this is one of their unique roles in the creation order. Now, when you go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 18, it says, it is not good that the man should be alone. And you go on and you read that account and you see the beautiful account of how God takes, takes Adam, says that man should not be alone. Then he brings every one of the animals to Adam. Adam, Adam names all of the animals. And, and, and the picture is this. As he's naming the animals, he's seeing two, you know, two giraffes walking, right? A male and a female. He's like, well, they go together. He sees two rhinoceroses, well, they go together. He sees two birds, well, they go together. And he's like, okay, I've named everything. Where's my, where's my, where's my mate? Who do I go together with? Who, who, who is comparable to me? Because this giraffe and this giraffe, they have some different equipment, but they go together. We're all adults in here, right? Like we, other for the sleeping baby, and they, they're not getting anyway, so... But, but, but they go together. They look alike. They, they, and so the, the picture is not that God made a mistake. He was simply confirming to Adam, bro, you can't do this alone. All these animals that are there, they're not enough. And so what does God do? God takes from his rib, takes a rib from him, puts him into sleep. It's the first surgery that we see taking place in the world, right? God knocks him out, takes this rib, forms the woman, and then he wakes up and he's like, "Woo, man. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, hallelujah. Adam became a poet immediately. They believe that's poetry. <laughs> he, got, he, got, he got excited, right? He felt something. The beauty of this picture is this. Here, here's, here's, here, here's, here's, here's to me why this is such a beautiful picture. When you look at the, the removal of that rib, I want you to think about all of the things that the woman is supposed to symbolize to the man. First of all, he should be close to his, she, she should be close to his heart because that's where she came from. She should be one that walks beside him, not beneath him, and she should also be one who he leans on sometimes. Are you here? There should, there, there should be that beautiful, and she should know. He should make sure that she sees her value. So what, 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 what the scripture sounds like in, in the New Testament, if you don't know the Old Testament, oh, it's easy to twist Paul's words, right? 
Not so easy when you go back to what Paul is referring to because there's such a beautiful tapestry of what God is doing and giving a special honor to the woman. So what does God do? God created Eve. Listen to me now. Now, all you daughters of Eve in here. God created Eve to make it possible for the human race to fulfill the task originally given to Adam. For this reason, Moses called Eve what? A helper suitable for him. Now, again, we hear the word helper and we get all depressed and like, oh, I'm just a helper. <laughs> ladies, ladies, ladies. The devil is a liar. You know that God is our helper? Is God somehow weak? Inferior? Unnecessary? Unwise? No, he's extremely necessary. In other words, that's not a dirty word. Adam would have never fulfilled his purpose without Eve. They, 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 they were interconnected. It was necessary. But he doesn't just stop there because the term suitable for means corresponding to, listen to this, or the mirror image of and so when Adam looks at Eve, he sees, oh, man, that, that one, we're, we're, that's, my, that, that's, that's my girl right there. Woman. Flesh of my flesh. Bona. There was something that happened. There was a beautiful thing that occurred. And what is Paul trying to He's trying to communicate to them this reality. Eve was the glory of Adam in a special way. With her joining Adam, the human race would become all God had intended it to be. Both she and Adam would receive honor as a result. This unique role held by Eve and her married female descendants gives wives a responsibility to bring honor or glory to their husbands as followers of Christ. All Christians, male and female, must seek the good of others above their own. We're talking about a culture of honor. I hope that that helps you to understand, but let's go to verse 11 and 12. Time is moving. Verse 11 says, Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so woman also comes through woman. Even though man, even so man also comes through woman, but all things are from God. You see, while it seemed like he's like some chauvinist guy, he flips over and he says, wait a second, man is not independent of woman. He's not, he's not better. All, all, all is for the glory and the honor of God. Here, here's what I'll say to that point. Submission doesn't indicate inferiority. Are you here? It doesn't mean you're inferior to someone else. It simply means that you understand God's order of creation. It simply means you take the Bible at face value. It means you understand the presence of angels in worship. It means that you desire to bring God glory as you honor others. That's what it means. When I say that I want to honor you, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm inferior. When you're saying you want to honor me, I'm not saying you're, you're not saying you're inferior. We are simply saying we want to bring glory, glory and honor to God in everything. We want to honor one another. The third thing, and I'm getting ready to wrap up, say this with me. Say, honor should, honor should. be an objective expression. Honor should be an objective expression. Honor should be an objective expression. Look at what he goes on to say in verse 13. He says, judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Here's what I want you to know. As followers of Jesus, you're not supposed to check your brain in at the door. Are you here? 
You're not, you, when, when, when you come to Christ, you're not supposed to just check in your brain and be like, well, I just live by faith, so I'm, I'm an idiot, but I live by faith. No. I, you know, or, or, you know, well, 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 Bishop, you know, he went to school for this, or whoever's up there preaching, they got to know this because they've been trained. Wait a second, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean you, you, you like, stop thinking when you come to church. Hello? You should be thinking and processing, again, taking notes, right? Sitting down and saying, man, I don't, I don't understand that. That's, maybe I need to send a text. Maybe I need to send a message later. Maybe I need to have a Maybe I need to seek the Lord and try to really grasp the understanding of what's there. What does Paul say? Paul says this other dirty word in our culture, judge among yourselves. So whenever they tell you we're not supposed to judge, oh, yes, we are. We are commanded. This is not a suggestion. This is an imperative in the text. He is saying, judge among your... He is, he's saying, judge, look and see. Is this right? Is what I'm saying correct? We're supposed to think, but here's, the, here's, here's what I want you to understand about judging. He's not telling you, how does this make you feel? <laughs> judge how you feel about the truth that is being spoken. If you don't, if you don't like it, just reject it. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, judge if it's true or not. Because if it is true, if it is factual, if it is actual, then guess what? You have a choice to make, either reject it or accept it. Either obey what it says or say, you know what? I know it's true. I'm not going to obey it. But you need to make your bed and lie in it. Are you here? You need to be sure that you are judging, looking, okay, is what he's saying, is what she's saying, is what they are telling me, is this true? Because if it's true, now I have a responsibility to that truth. I have a responsibility to respond. Right, what does it say up here? Truth requires a response. You will either reject the truth or you will accept the truth. But Paul doesn't want you to just be like, well, he said it, so it's all good. No, he wants you to judge whether it is true or not. So what does he do? Verse 14 and 15, he goes and he says, does not even nature itself teach that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him. But if a woman has long hair, it is glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. Does not nature. Again, there was a lot of commentary on this, and being a man who doesn't have long hair, hallelujah. I was thinking, you know, I was going to get on Josh and get on Ray and say, guys, we got to cut your hair because you guys have long hair, and we're gonna, we, we want to follow the Bible in here. And But ladies, I was also going to get some hair, you know, coverings for you, so when you walk out today, you'll have head coverings, and I'm just joking. But the, 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 point is, the point is this, is that in the natural, in the cultural setting in which they find themselves, there was a certain thing that was honorable for men to do and a certain thing that was honorable for women to do. And so they didn't, they, they didn't have the same, they, they, they couldn't walk around they're, they're, um, looking the same. There had to be some kind of distinction within that culture. So here's what we have to understand. Our honor of one another may exceed cultural norms, but it should never fall short. And so the cultural norms that we have in our day, look, there's some cultural norms that are good, like you should accept them, you should, you should embrace them, like you should be honorable according to those lines, but there's other things that are culturally normal that you should reject outright. 
We just had the, we just had the whole conversation. I'm not going to go back to that conversation. We had the whole conversation about transgender this. Tra- Listen, I want you all to know, you should outright reject the ideology. It is not God. It is not biblical. It is not scientific. It is destroying people. You need to understand that. And if we stay silent, why is this? Because church, you have a voice. And you need to use it in conversation. You need to use it in engagement and culture. Listen, when you go vote, I'm going to say it now because voting was the other day. When you go vote, you should be voting for people who do not uphold unrighteousness in their values. Listen, I, I, it, I'm, not, I, I'm, not, I'm not promoting any party. I am saying you need to vote as scripturally as you can. And when someone rises up and says, hey, I'm all about this agenda, you need to back up and say, hold on a second. I can't get behind that. As, as a follower of Christ, I cannot get behind that. That should be the right thing that we look at because we want a voice for righteousness. We want a voice for truth. We want to be those who influence culture in that way for the things that are righteous in our land. Verse 16, and, and we, we'll wrap up with this. Verse 16, he says this. He says, but if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. So if anybody wants to argue, because, you know, arguing isn't a new thing. The, 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 way that you, the, the way that we all felt when I read this text and you went from this high moment of worship, you were like, Hector, get back on the keyboard. Get back on the keyboard. <laughs> and we're going downhill right now. <laughs> the same way that, that that was happening then, I mean, that that, that, that ha- happened now, the same way it was happening then. There are people that didn't want to bow to the cultural norms. They, 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 they didn't want to bow to the biblical. They want to argue about stuff. And Paul's like, I'm not going to argue about that, but we have no such custom. So you're arguing a dead a dead fight. You're arguing something you shouldn't be arguing. Just hold to the scriptures, right? That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to have a culture of honor. And so here's my closing question for you. My closing question is, are you contributing to a culture of honor or are you diminishing it? Are you contributing to a culture of honor or are you diminishing it? Are you, are, are you looking at the scriptures living as honorably as you can are you treating others with the honor that they deserve or you just like, I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm on Faith Island by myself. It's all about me. Are we, are, are we, are we looking at each other as the family of God that we're supposed to? Are, are we looking to see how we can build each other up in our faith? Are we looking to see how we can occur? See, because that, that's, being, that's building a culture of honor. I love God, but I love my brothers and sisters. I love God, but I, but I, but I love, and, and I love them, and I want to be sure that they are becoming who God wants them to be. I want to be sure that when they're going through difficulty, that I'm honoring them and I'm trying to help them. I'm trying to come beside them. Are you, are you helping to cultivate a culture of honor? Or are you diminishing it? Church, we're supposed to be cultivating a culture of honor among our brothers and sisters. So I want to ask you to just bow your heads right where you are. Ask you to humble your heart before the Lord. You know where you are. I will invite our prayer team to come forward if you would. But you know where you are in this place. You, you, may, you may have some issues in your heart with brothers and sisters, and you need to address them before the Lord, and maybe you want someone to pray with you.
You may be online and you don't have the option to come and, and pray, but I will say this, you can, you can message us and let us know that you need prayer on this. There's a link there for prayer. You can click that link and you can share your prayer request. But if you're in here in this place and you would, and, and, and you know, you, something stirred your heart this morning. God touched your heart in a way you know you, I mean, you feel like, man, I got to respond to the Lord on that thing. I got to let that thing go. You know, I want to be a person of honor, but there's something that is holding me back. And you say, God, I, I want to respond to you. We're here and we want to pray for you. And so if you're here and you want someone to pray with you, then I invite you to come forward as we worship the Lord and as we pray that God could work in your heart. If you're in here and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you heard me say that Christ died and rose again. You heard, me, you heard me communicate that. Maybe you are not in a relationship with God. Maybe you are far from him. And this morning you came and you want to have a relationship with him. You, you need help. You need answers. You want God to change your life. Don't leave this place the same way that you came in. Come forward. Let us pray for you. Let us pray with you. Let God set you free. Maybe you're in this place and you're struggling. Even as I was talking about the identity issues, maybe you're struggling with your identity, but you know that God is all-powerful. After you heard this message and you want God to give you strength to live that out, come forward. Let us pray for you again. Maybe nothing that I just said is a reason why you need prayer, but you know you need prayer. We're here to pray for you. So let us do that. Let's all stand to our feet and let us worship the king together in this place. And we have, we'll take a few moments and give you the opportunity to come forward. If you need prayer, you want someone to stand in faith with you, we're here to pray with you. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, God. You were the word at the beginning. One with God, Lord Moses. Yes, yes. Your hidden glory in creation. Now revealed in you are Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ our King. Yes. What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of without us so Jesus you brought heaven out my sin was great your love was greater
Death could not hold you. The veil tore me for you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory. For you are Jesus. 